Good morning, Sarah Hepla. Good morning, Nancy Rollman. It's snowing in Dallas. Oh, man. <laughs> Whoa. Everywhere. Yeah. Portland, upstate New York. Apparently, there was some big football game yesterday or several. One of, wasn't, mm-hmm. wasn't the Buffalo one like snowed out? Uh, there was a there was a game that was snowed out. I knew yeah. that. I know that. Yeah, like yeah. like I think the Iowa caucuses are kind of like yeah. I, they're I worried that about that. DeSantis forgot his jacket. There's like some picture of him like yeah. Oh, he's from Florida. The guy's from Florida. <laughs> he's like, what's I, happening? I, I say he's like I, what what is ah. snow? <laughs> when um people in the South have to confront the reality of snow, it's just like. Wow, how do people deal with this all the time? Um, I so we got a cold snap like two, one or two days ago, and I knew it was coming, but I just kind of forgot the stuff that you're supposed to do, like you're supposed to leave your your faucets dripping. You had this happen right when we started the podcast or close to. You're like Nancy, I can't. I have no water. Everything's frozen. I did Remember? it. Yeah. No, I'm not good at this. It's not like <laughs> I'm like Ron DeSantis with my like. Oh, you're supposed to bring a jacket. I don't know. I didn't know. That's my Ron DeSantis impression. <laughs> La- okay, last year or a year and a half ago, I forgot to do it entirely, and the pipes froze. Except they didn't. The- the- there was no water coming out, and then during the day, the pipes melt like they they got going again okay close call okay another close call this year because yesterday morning I woke up and I was like it's freezing oh wait I didn't remember to do my pipes and I ran to the bathroom and I turned on the water and it was like (laughs) and then this big like fistful of slush came out that's that good thing and then it started going and then it started going I'm so so close, such a close call. So I remembered to do it, but it's a magical wonderland out there in Dallas, Texas. The whole state's probably going to shut down. You know, school's supposed to start um, at the college on Wednesday. They'll probably call it off. They'll ju- we don't know how to exist. When you move to New York City and you realize how much shit can get done when it's actually snowing, you're like, whoa, well, we're, okay. we should be full of shame. Okay, but- New York City is a walking city. We have an underground transportation system. I, you know, and people are just, you also have the infrastructure where they have snow plows. I, when I lived in Portland, it doesn't really snow in Portland that much. Maybe two or three times a winter. But, I didn't even know it snowed in Portland at all. But but occasionally you will get what they call snowpocalypse. And it totally dumps. And what happens? The city shuts down. It absolutely shuts down because we do not or they, I don't live there anymore. They don't have the snow plows. They will have to bring snow, or they had like two. So they would have to get snow plows coming down from Seattle. There was one year, there was a bus a couple blocks from me. It was stuck in the middle of the street for days, but that's okay because nobody could drive anywhere. And then they're telling you don't drive anywhere. So yeah, Portland shuts down. It has been snowing there a lot. I haven't followed it a lot, but I do remember, and I want to try to find a clip of it, looking at the field of that Buffalo game yesterday. I mean, you couldn't, you wouldn't have been able to see it past 10 feet in front of your face. Wow. So yeah, they just had to call I, the game. I will say, even though I knew it was, it was supposed to snow, um, I woke up this morning and I looked out the window and it was like, <gasps> what happened? God may, uh, gave us a secret. It's just a different world. It feels it so is. magical. It's like, what happened? The whole landscape is transformed. All your views 
and there's this like drifting white powder. It really is. I it, look. I I lived in New York long enough to know that snow loses its magic. It gets old. It turns to slush. It's really annoying. But the, I will always feel this kind of buoyant wonder at seeing the little flakes from the sky. You sent me uh, an Instagram video of cats playing in snow. I mean, are they cold weather animals? Because dude, these, they love it. I mean, they were, are they like from Siberia or something? Because no, well, I don't know what's going on with that, but two things. One, it like I brought Wallace out in the snow last time, like during our snowpocalypse. And he was like, thanks, but no thanks. Like it was really hilarious. Like he did like two paws out and then he was like, what? And he like rewound. And, um, those cats, I don't know what's going on, but cats love catching things. So the, the, you know, it's ball, like they have that hunting instinct. So they're trying to catch the snowflakes and it's so adorable and magical looking and so sweet. So I'm having a somewhat of an opposite ex- experience here. It is not snowing in New York City. I don't know. It's probably like 35 or 40 degrees out. But I am leaving today for Israel. And oh I want God. to have – pa- I'm always a very spare packer. Like everything gets used. Like every part of the buffalo. There's nothing extra. I Yeah, you know, this and- is true. And this is why when I come to your place <laughs> and I haul my enormous bag up your three you. flights of stairs for yeah. my two-day trip there, yeah. I, you're I, just like, Sarah, what have you done? What is happening here? In any case, I'm like, I need just like one because it's, I'm going to be in, in Tel Aviv and I'm going to be in the north and I'm going to be in the West Bank. So slightly different temperatures, like 10 or 20, like it could be as cold as in the forties, but it's mostly going to be in the sixties. Like, so what am I going to bring? Like what kind of jacket? Plus you also don't want to be, I want to be able to move quickly. Like I never, like when you're reporting, I don't want to be like bogged down and have something big. So I have a little, like little leather jacket that I inherited uh-huh. from Leah McSweeney, my, my darling oh, Leah McSweeney. And so that's my one jacket. I'm done. I'll put it. Yeah. That's good. And you know, like, I mean, I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but like in, if you're going to be in the West Bank and things like that, you, you know, you're going to be wearing like full covering, right? Well, okay. In the West Bank, no. We're, you know what? I'm not going to give away. Listen, guys, um, I put a little pitch, I think, in here. Go follow me on Make More Pie. It's nancyrommelman.substack.com. I'm going to have a lot of reporting from there. I don't want to talk about all the stories I'm doing yet. But no, in the West Bank, I am not. But however, I am going on Thursday. Today is Monday. We're recording this on Monday. Um, I am going to where the massacres took place in the kibbutz and also the Nova Music Festival. And we have been told we need... Um, we need, I don't know what kind some special kind of jackets and, and, and helmets that we're, uh, Yale, our dear friend Yale is going to be getting from the military. She's former IDF. So we do need uh, them there, but no, most of the time I won't. And I'm staying in a place in Tel Aviv that has a, a safe room and, uh, you know, it is, it is what it is, but anyway, yeah, I don't want to be too hot or too cold. So packing and trying to split the difference. So I think I, uh, I think I have it. So we'll see. I'm all packed, ready to roll. So. Um, well, how um, has anything interesting happened in the last few days in New York that you want to tell us about? Oh, <laughs> there's a segue. So, you know, I was thinking a little bit more about this, uh, and, I'll, and I'll tell you those thoughts um, when I finish telling the story. Um, so 
I have been getting ready for Israel. I'm a very organized packer. I want to have everything I need. I'm going to be doing, you know, recording and all this stuff. And one thing I needed, because I couldn't find my other one, was a little um, adapter, electrical adapter. So I had some different things coming from Amazon. And Saturday morning, uh, the bell rings. And we there's only five buildings in this apartment, four floors. And everybody always rings in the delivery guys because everyone's always getting packages. Yeah. So I ring it. And I had on like my little... Um, they call it like a nap dress. It's like a little dress. It's like right above your knees and some slip-on sneakers. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go grab the package because I'm packing right now. I'm getting things organized. I'll go down to the second landing, second floor landing. So I get there and the dude, the delivery guy's there. And he's about 6'2". There, I've never seen the same delivery guy person. We have a billion different people sure. coming from Amazon. And um, he looks at me and he kind of like pauses for a second. And then I was like, is that is that for me? Because sometimes you ring in a someone and it's a package for someone else. It's like, oh no, right. it's for your neighbor. Fine, 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 whatever. So uh, he's just kind of looks at it and I can see it is for me. I say, okay, thanks. And I'm also holding in my hand a little box I need to break down and put in the recycling and some papers and stuff. And he hands me my package and he says, um, can I take that for you? Like my recycling? I'm like, no, thanks. <laughs> um, and then he, he, he kind of just stands there and then he kind of looks down at his little uh, handset, like where they're you know, kind of saying I've delivered this package or whatever. And, but he's just standing there and kind of not stalling. And I was like, do you need me to sign? Which I knew he didn't. He's like, no. Uh, and he goes, this is a, this is kind of like a funny address, right? I'm like, what? I, what? I, what? So I'm like, like, it's getting a little weird and awkward. So finally, I guess he, I don't know, gets the message and he turns to leave. So there's a little door there that goes and makes a, a right angle going down the stairs to where the front door is. So he leaves, but I hear he doesn't leave. I can hear he's not going down the steps. And I oh, wow. wait, listening. I'm like, all right. So I break down my packet, my recycling. I stick it in the recycling, just like standing there. Now, there's one door on this floor. It's my neighbor, DJ. I know DJ. If I needed, like, he'd come out in a second. But anyway, that guy's not moving. I open up my Amazon package. I throw out the packaging. He's still there. I'm like, this motherfucker is waiting for me to go upstairs. Like, I, I don't know. I can feel it in my skin. Like, mm. this isn't right. Something is not right here. I'm like, I'm wearing a fucking nap dress and slip-on sneakers, right? And I'm right. like, shit. So I uh, turned around and I walked toward him. And he's yeah. on the stairs. He's two stairs, but just wow. so I can't see him. And I was like, wow. I'm, going to, I'm like, I'm going downstairs too. And he's like, uh, uh, so he goes, he's ahead of me, but he's not going real fast. Um, and this is like a... Six foot two, very kind of athletic guy. This isn't like some yeah. sort of half wit. And uh, what he gets. Time of day, what time of day was this? 10 o'clock in the morning, 10 30 in the morning. Okay. So I he gets down to the front door and he opens it and he's kind of like waiting. Like, am I going to go out first? Like, maybe he's going to be a gentleman or he wants to see what's going on. I'm like, I kind of give him like the no, go ahead. And he goes out and I slam the door behind him. Yeah. And I uh, look, here's what I, I started out saying that I could be wrong. I was thinking about it more this morning and I was like, okay, Nancy, could it be that he was just a slow person? Like, you know, maybe some delivery people are slow or whatever. And he was just maybe confused or maybe he had a lot on his mind, but my spidey sense is pretty damn good. And I've been in these situations before. So I, um, I went, I knocked on everybody's door. I was like, look, I know we let everybody in. And, and of course, DJ's like, Nancy, you know, you just have to bang on my door. I was like, I know, dude, I know. I would. I was thinking about that. Um, just let people know. I put a sign in the front window now. It's like, leave the, leave the, 
my packages at the laundry, ground floor laundry, which they do yeah. anyway sometimes because I'm not here. And I called Amazon, which of course means nothing because I'm talking to some call center halfway around the world. But and I I know I don't have to do that. But the thing and and again I could be wrong, but I don't think so. I I uh, I think that that might have been a slightly bad situation, and it wasn't. So. Well, we'll never know what his intentions were, what he was trying. He may not have known either, but, you know, your point that your spidey sense was going off, something was very wrong here. You know, I think people don't understand, uh, maybe if they don't live in New York, they don't understand exactly like, like that he had breached this barrier, this fortress, which is the front door. Um, Those are locked. And then sometimes people don't lock their inside door like it just depends you know like like he was had kind of like made it inside the castle yeah and and that's an an uh, an incredible vulnerability and you know I can't remember who I was talking to the other day um oh I think it was Bridget Phetasy actually uh I you know I did this uh, appearance mm-hmm. on her podcast and mm-hmm. I was re-listening to it and she was talking about Uber drivers and she was like I just don't get it don't get in a car with strangers unless it's Uber and then do it all the time you know like <laughs> yeah her yep. point yep. about um you know she was making kind of like she was being a little bit funny about it but it's like the the lack of accountability in our modern world um, where it's kind of like, okay, I'll get in the car with you. Who are you? What, you know, what's who, who's vetted you? Um, This is true in online dating too. You know, like, like who are your people? Who do you know? Like, I don't know. I'm just like getting into some kind of human engagement with you, but I don't have any of the natural um, checks and balances um, like UPS has vetted people, right? UPS, there's an accountability. Um, Amazon is just kind of like, come on for a couple hours yep. uh, one day if you need a job. You know, in this gig economy, you know, it's just, it's who who honestly knows? So you'll never know, but I'm impressed. What I like about your story um, is how, what a, what a fine-tuned sense of, of something going wrong you have. And then you refuse, like... You don't overcorrect and go like, hey, listen, man, you know, and like, I don't know, potentially stir up something that you can't, you're, you're, you're not little exactly, but you're, you're not that big, not big either. <laughs> no. And we've, we've, as we've already discussed, I don't know how to throw a punch. The only thing I know how to oh, do is squirm or way, run. So it's 2024. It is. And we asked our listening audience, like who could teach us to fight and throw a punch? There were no takers. No takers in our listening audience. Hmm. Nobody was like, oh, Sarah and Nancy, I'll teach you to throw a punch. Nobody. We're tendering the offer again. Here we go. In the free portion of the program where this, you know, the scrubs live, the guys that throw punches. <laughs> That's right. Like our, our refined <laughs> paid subscribers oh, yeah. who are like, he, you know. I don't know. Pastry chefs and exactly they're pastry yeah. so they, they yeah. know how to yeah. knead dough and yeah. Yeah. solve a crossword, but they can't yeah. throw a punch. <laughs> um the world needs all kinds. The world needs can all I kinds. Ask you a question that is sincere but also silly. Yeah. That um do you think like how weird would it be? For me to collect Wallace's fur and then use that fur to make a scarf. Um, 
I Okay, let me let you think about it. Let me let you think about it and I'll tell you how I came to this because maybe you're going through what I'm going through. What happened to me? It happened to me, TM. Um is that I saw on Twitter somebody being like can't stop staring at these pictures of people wearing clothes made of the fur of their animals and I was like what a weirdos and so I clicked on it and I was sitting there with my veterinarian friend Jennifer who I love and she was like I was like oh my god this is crazy and she's like oh yeah you can do that and I was like what do you mean I can do that and she was like you just collect the fur and then you send it off and they'll turn it into yarn and I was like but this is different. This I, w- I was real convinced it was different. And she was like, no, 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 no. They just, and then she showed me this website. And then the people on Facebook, they're called like the yarn, the, the cat yarn spinners or something. And all of a sudden, this thing that was really crazy and existed on the internet was like within arm's reach for me. And I was like, whoa. And then it was like the world expanded. And I was like, you mean I could do this with Wallace? And she was like, yeah. And I was like, how much fur would I need? And it said I needed four ounces of fur, which, of course, I have no idea what that means. Could that mean like a boulder of fur? or like It's probably it's probably a lot of fur. But you have to understand, I have a long-haired cat. He This would be like using all pieces of the buffalo native-adjacent Nancy. This is, okay, <laughs> like, honestly, also, 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 my cat's going to die one day. And then I would, I would, ha- I wish I'd done this with Bubba. I wish I had a Bubba scarf. Okay. Because then your cat dies and then you don't have anything for them, from them. And then you could wrap it yourself in it. It, so I was like, so, so I said to my friend, I want to do that. And she was like, okay, that could be really crazy. And I was like, I know. But what if I just did a scarf? And she's like, okay, I think a scarf is okay. Or a hat. I have thoughts. Okay, my first thought was, can I get on an earlier plane to Tel Aviv? Because I can't do this. Okay, number two, I was like, um, I've heard of this. Um, And then I was like, well, you know what you can just do is just crochet a scarf yourself and have Wallace sitting next to you. And inevitably, his hairs are going to fly into it. Every baby blanket that I've crocheted, I know there are hairs of mine that have flown into it. So it's like, um, and then I'm like, you know what? You love your cat. It's an interesting thing. It's two things. Like you could do it and then it's just something that you know. Like you, yeah. this is my little scarf. I don't need to talk about it. And or, or it becomes a conversation piece yeah. that people are either going to like think this is a crazy cat lady or right. be- start by thinking that. And then the way you just explained it to me, like, look, this cat's going to die. I don't really have anything. It's not like you have love letters from your cat. Yeah. Um, I do, but it's yeah, that's but you, those unusual. are very personal. Yeah, it's unusual. Um, uh, scratch, scratch, scratch. Um, so you like, <laughs> Wallace fucking have bit a, me this I, morning, I, by the way. Like uh, he's yeah, a mean. So, he's like an asshole. Fuck that scarf. No, yeah. but I will admit, I have in my possession. Uh, I have some someone's haircut hair in my possession. Because yeah. I I wanted it. Now I don't look at it. It's it's someplace, and you know who knows how long it'll last. But it's um it's a real thing. It's part. It's it is. It's a human that for you in the case of a cat, it's a cat. The something that you love, and this was part. No, of I think who human was the right were. word. I think human was the right okay. word. Okay, so human. yeah, no, no, Go no. But it, I thought that, it, that, Thank you. That was a beautiful. That was actually um a beautiful way to, you know what what it is is. 
a semi-permanent, I won't say permanent, but like a lasting reminder of a thing that I know I will have to let go of. And, you know, I will have to let go of my cat one day. Um, Just like, like I have some of my mom's hair. When my mom was, um, how old was she? Probably 30. She had really, really long, glossy black hair. And she put it in a ponytail and she cut it. And this was like in 1980. And it's been in a box since then. Yeah. When I was a little girl, I tell this story in blackout. Like I hated my mom's short hair. I still don't like short business haircuts because of like, I, my mom did this and I was like, what have you done to the hair? Um, but I used to go into that box and like pet her hair um, uh, my mom when I was a little girl. Always had very long hair. She still has long hair. She does. And yeah. she, she, uh, black, long black hair. And she came up to me when I was about seven, maybe said, look, I cut my hair and she had it actually just like tucked up in a braid. But is it, and I burst into tears. I remember yeah, that's that. about right. Like you don't want, you don't want mom cutting her hair. I mean, I saved, like, what do we save? When I, when I left Portland, I got rid of almost every possession I owned, but I saved very small things, things that were my daughter's or like a little bowl that I had fed her out of. I like, there are small totems that are meaningful to me and I will keep them. Like I've told you, I may have told you, and I actually don't know where it is right now, but if I had to keep only one possession at the end of it all, it would be this angel that my daughter made from a paper plate glue and sparkles um, that we used to put on the top of the tree. I don't actually know where it is right now because I, I haven't unpacked yeah. some stuff from, but like this means something to me. So yes, get, get your scarf, Sarah. Why not? I, I appreciate your support, Nancy. And also <laughs> I, I think that, no, I'm actually being sincere because hey. I, I do, you will tell me if I've gone crazy. And I think one of the more low key narratives of my life right now is that I'm in a sort of ever-changing, you know, uh, journey to test the boundaries of what is a crazy cat lady. Like, how can I love cats, and my cat in particular, and still be hot and still be somebody that people think is not a crazy person? Sarah, if anybody can do it, it's you. Thank you. So so what else? There's something else um, besides cat hair scarves that's kind of important today to uh, the nation and to you personally and me. So let's, um, I think you have something to read for us, don't you, Sarah? Yeah, it's Martin Luther King Day. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's uh, the day uh, when as a society, we collectively celebrate um, banks being closed. <laughs> no, oh, I'm sorry, I got it wrong. Uh, it's the memory of Martin Luther King, you know, I have been reading. Oh, first of all, I just want to say uh, I am a basic old school lover of our Martin Luther King Jr. Mm-hmm. Um, I was obsessed with him in the weirdest way. Like, honestly, like thought he was it was almost like he was a rock star to me when I was like 15 years old, like had this I had such a crush on him. And um, I know people talk about a appearance and having and love and all those things as sort of like objectifying somebody. To me, they're like almost like the the truest expression of my of my like devotion. Like I'm so, like I'm so captivated by this person that it's that it's captured every part of me. You know, like I'm intellectually engaged. I find them a, like. 
hot and you know anyway um I just don't want to minimize I said I had a crush on him it sounds so minimizing to me that's very maximizing it's like I just was so captivated by this person and um I would memorize the speeches and I would like to it was just I don't know I talk a lot about Stephen King's um influence on my writing but I actually think the speeches of Martin Luther King are just as influential because I memorized a lot of the rhythm of them they have Mm -hmm. an incredible musical Mm -hmm. rhythm Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so, and like back in my high school days, like if you picked up any of my essays, they were just, we talked about plagiarism and in, and interpreting words last week. And I used a lot of his phrases, you know, it would be like injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere in the high school classroom, you know, in the, in the high school cafeteria, you know, like, <laughs> like whenever they would give you little prompts, I would always, um, use words like inextricably bound, you know, like they're totally phrases I stealed, fr- stealed, stole from his writing. But they were these chunky phrases that I thought were really uh, powerful. So anyway, um, I've been reading this giant book by Jonathan wow. Ige. That's a big book. Yeah, it's... um. I've put it in my hotbox before because I went to go see him speak in Dallas and he was great. And um, th- this came out last year. Uh, he's also written uh, a biography of Muhammad Ali that's supposedly really great. He also, um, I forget who else he did, but he's a great biographer. Um, this got a lot of attention. It became a bestseller. It was on a lot of top 10 lists. Uh, but of course, it's a doorstop. And I was sort of like never found the right moment to start the 800 page book about Martin Luther King Jr. So I started it last yesterday um, in honor of Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Um, I are, have, I'm already, I'm only like 50 pages in, but I've already learned a lot of things. Did you know that Martin Luther was a chosen part of his name? No. So what I didn't was know his, that either. What was his so name his, he was born so with? So his, his dad was named Michael. And the, well, first of all, his dad was named Michael, but, Michael's, I can't remember if it's father or grandfather, was born like something, something Barnum or something. That was the slave name. And the family decided not to keep the slave family name and to name themselves King. So King was already chosen. Mm -hmm. But then Michael, uh, who was a preacher, he's Martin Luther King Jr.'s father. He was a preacher and he, he, he did a lot of travels. He got really into Martin Luther, who had put up the 95 Theses and created the Christian Reformation. And so he decided to start calling himself Martin. And then eventually that became Martin Luther. Uh, and then when he had his son, he named him Michael as well. But then, and then for a while, he was Michael, he was ML. ML, people just called him, well, at first he was Little Mike, and then he was ML, and then eventually he be, he also took on Martin Luther King Jr. And the name, I mean, I had always thought that was his given name. Um, it's an amalgam of, you know, things he he gave to himself and, and took from other people, but it's, it's so, it's such a punch through the noise name, right? Mm. Martin Luther King Jr. Mm-hmm. Like, boom, boom, boom. And when you say it's not his given name, in a way, it kind of is his it given is. name. They yeah. gave it to themselves, which is, that's great. I love that. Yeah. And his father had given yeah. it to yeah. himself, and then he took yeah. it. But I, I, um, 
First of all, uh, uh, what is your relationship with Martin Luther King Jr.? So um, my mom was very pretty, not very, but pretty active in civil rights um, before I was born. And then af- after I was born, she apparently went in uh, to, on the March on Washington in 1963 and left me, baby Nancy, home with my father and wow. saw Martin Luther King there and would talk wow. about that. Um, but my father- was- She was there for the I Have yep. a Dream speech, yep. in other words. Yep. yep. And she's, he, my, my dad's comment about that, not to be, he wasn't being, you know, glib or anything. He's like, yeah, and she came home with the craps because apparently like there was no place. You're just using these public toilets. So anyway. Oh, was, I thought it was yeah. like a sexual free for all. No, no, I don't, I don't think so. But hey, who knows? It's a long time ago, but um, I will remember. The 60s. I will remember, I remember several things. I remember being, so this is actually um some seared, you know, you don't have that many memories from before you're maybe seven or I don't, or you don't know what they are. You can't, you can't really put them in context, but I can very well put in context two memories. We had a tiny little black and white TV that my parents would let my brother and I have in our room. And I remember watching on the TV, um, black people being fire hosed by police in the South and how unbelievably crazily shocking this was. I just couldn't understand this at all. And then I remember watching news of um, Martin Luther King's assassination. And I, why at, how old was I? Seven or something like this? Watch. And, and, and I could, then I felt something and I turned around and my mother was standing in my doorway, just silently weeping. So those are my, um, you know, my actual personal memories because I was alive. I also remember when I remember when uh, Robert Kennedy was shot um, and that being on a camping trip with my I think we were in first grade or something. Why were we on a camping trip? I don't know. With our teachers and going into the kitchen because there were no teachers around now. All the kids were just like running around outside. And I went in the kitchen and they were sitting by a radio. And I remember just saying, but maybe he's going to be okay. And they looked Aww. at me and they were like, no. You're anyway. such an optimist. It's it's uh, so sweet. Yeah. Um, the, anyway. the story of the dogs attacking, um, that, that reminds me that, you know, part of my um, deep abiding affection for King started with watching the documentary Eyes on the Prize. Which is an mm-hmm. outstanding, oh, fantastic documentary fantastic. about the civil rights movement. If you've yes. never seen it, yes, it's, yes, um, it's great. It's great. I watched it a couple of years ago. I think on Moynihan's recommendation. Yeah, he day, talks right? about it. Yeah, he talks yeah, about it sometimes. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. had rewatched it a few years ago, right. and 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 prompted me to rewatch it. I sort of was ner- I was nervous about that because it was such a meaningful documentary. It was like, oh God, what if I go back and it's like not very good? No, it's mm-hmm. it's really good. It's really spectacular. Good. Yeah. Um, and you know some of that footage. It, it's so it's so jarring. It's very interesting. It was very interesting to me when I read Tanahisi Coates uh, talk about as a black man watching that footage and seeing it as kind of trauma porn. Um, yeah, sure. And being and 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 that and I thought, oh well, that's that makes sense. That's really interesting. But I had never thought of it that way. Um, but there's, of course, you know, over the last few years, there has been a pushback to the King legacy. You know, King has always been a controversial figure yep. in his time, certainly amongst, you know, many white government leaders. Like he was not universally loved. Uh, he was feared tremendously, but he also got a lot of pushback from black uh, militant leaders. He and Malcolm X were often in um 
at cross purposes with each other. I think they did respect one another, though. Um, I came across a passage in this book that I just absolutely loved in terms of bringing King down from the pedestal a little bit and making him a person. Um, And I wanted to share it with you and with our readers. Um, It's a little bit long, but... uh, but I think you'll you'll understand why I found it so pressing to share with you, or such the perfect thing to share with you on Martin Luther King Day. Okay. King was a man, not a saint, not a symbol. He chewed his fingernails. He shouted at the TV during quiz shows. He hid his cigarettes from his children. He had a little white dog named Topsy. He bore a scar on his chest where, in 1958, Surgeons extricated an ivory-handled letter opener lodged beside his aorta. He had skin so sensitive he couldn't use a razor. He slept poorly but napped well. He ran chronically late for meetings. As an adolescent, he twice attempted suicide, although perhaps half-heartedly. As an adult, he was hospitalized repeatedly for what he called exhaustion and others described as depression. He possessed a wicked sense of humor, improved by the knowledge that certain jokes were funnier coming from a Baptist minister. He depended on his wife, Coretta, in ways few people understood at the time. He also cheated on her, continually, even when he knew the FBI was tapping his phones and bugging his hotel rooms, trying to destroy his marriage and reputation. He maintained one intimate relationship for so long that friends referred to the woman as his second wife. He saw he was a man who announced at an early age that God had called him to act. He lived his life accordingly. He was willing to die. First of all, it's a wonderful passage. Second of all, uh, ivory-handled letter opener lodged near his heart. I feel as though I need a little more information here about this. That's obviously the um, the detail that stands out to me too, like, in terms what? of like, wait, asterisk, like what? Wait, but this is this comes very early in the book, and I think sure, what it's meant sure. to be is a kind of teaser trailer for all the things that you're going to discover. Why in 1958 did he have an ivory-handed letter holder near his aorta? I love- but I just love the human details, you know, that he hid his cigarettes from his children, that he ran chronically late to meetings. I never knew that. And I never would have guessed that, by the way, Um, that uh, I knew this stuff about, you know, I, I think, I think one of the most complicated parts of King's legacy, of course, is his relationship with women. Um, It was, he was a man of his time, but he was a man outside of time in the ways that he was a really, really great man. And there is an interesting conversation to be had. I would not have it on social media um, as to whether men who really are greater than other men deserve more. When you say that, do you mean deserve more in terms of extra marital or what do you mean by that? Sure, that. Um, extra, you know, dispensation for like deserve more, like, let's say this is just a theory. And I have no, let's say that part of what makes King so phenomenal is that he, if they go back and they do the DNA test, he had extra doses of testosterone. 
I, I don't know that this is true. He just had an unusually large uh, amount of testosterone. But doesn't it track that he would want to have sex all the time? Well, okay. I I don't know, and you may because you know more about the stuff than I do, whether having a lot more testosterone makes you want to have more sex. I think what makes you also want to have more sex is like, what is it? The, the, the six inches between your ears, you know, you, are uh, you, or you feel entitled. Also look, Sarah, Nancy, let's be honest. It's Sarah, more like nine, nine inches between your, oh, I'm sorry. Just kidding. So yeah, yeah. Um, look, he he's, also, he's also in a position where he has men. He's surrounded by people who are idolizing him, men, women, what are, what are, what are, what are the exchanges that are going to take place? It's going to be ideas. It's going to be money. It's going to be opportunity. It's going to be sex. So he's running into more of this. So I don't know that it's physiological. I think when you feel so fantastically good about yourself, we, we started this podcast and I was telling you something because I have a very nice new haircut and I walked outside and everybody was being like, so nice to me. And you're like, well, it's because you were glowing. Yeah. If you're giving off a glow, right? People are are gonna want to be around it and he was giving off a lot of glow hi smoke em if you got him listeners this is sarah heppola with nancy rommelman hi we're inviting you to listen to the rest of this conversation but you have to subscribe go to smokeempodcast.substack.com slash subscribe we hope to see you on the other side bye